primary relationship that I think we need to hear about them more than we do. I suppose we all know about the fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, that thou mayest live long in the land. It is the only commandment that has a promise attached to it. You might be less familiar with this text from St. Paul. Parents, do not exasperate your children, lest they become discouraged. You must not provoke your children to resentment, but give them instruction and discipline which belong to Christian upbringing. In other words, give them clear boundaries, not rigid, harsh, hard boundaries, but clear boundaries with which to live their lives. I suppose many of you parents are, are like me. You, you live with a, a, a notion that you somehow or another let one of your children or all of your children down at some point along the pathway of life. If you could take a word back, you would take a word back. I remember when I first... Uh, my uh, after seminary and we moved back to the area of California where I grew up and I decided I wanted to introduce our, our son, our oldest son, to the mountains of the Sierra Nevada. So I took Chad, our oldest son, backpacking. And I decided it would be a relatively easy hike so we would begin by going three miles downhill to a canyon and a river where we would camp the night. When we got down to the bottom of it, I'm up, I'm setting up the, the campsite, setting up the tent and all, and suddenly realized, oh my, I've left something that is just absolutely essential. Not wanting to make my seven-year-old son climb a 2,000-foot climb out and then back down, having already done, gone down uh, uh, three miles, and that would make nine miles altogether, I said, Chad, why don't you just sit here on this rock by this creek and I'll be back in just no time at all. Thinking I could dash up there, which I, in those days I could. <laughs> oh, no, Dad, Dad, I'll go with you. I'll be okay. No, Chad, it's a, uh, it's a rough hike and we'll have to ha hike back down. Just stay right here. It, it, I won't be long. Well, he, he, he yielded. And I dashed up the three miles as quickly as I could go up 2,000 feet and got what we needed and came back down. But when I came back down and saw him sitting on that big rock by that pool of water weeping, I realized I'd made a mistake. I suppose most of us who are parents have, have that experience. And, and maybe some of you have the notion that you have let down your parents along this pathway of life. The prophet Malachi said, I will send my prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of children to their parents and the hearts of parents to their children lest I come and, and strike the land with a curse. And we are in a state and in our country today where, where we are in need of the Lord sending a prophetic word to us as a people to turn the hearts of children to parents and the hearts of parents to, to children. 
I have an aim today in this sermon, and that is to instruct us in a few things the Scriptures have to say about parenting and, and to turn the hearts of children to their parents and parents to their children, and, and thirdly, to bring each of us before God and Father of us all for a time of reflection and perhaps forgiveness and healing in our relationships with parents and children, that the Holy Spirit's presence may lead us, not wound us, heal us, not condemn us, but to set us free. The first truth about uh, the Bible wants to teach us about parenthood, and it does this by precept and example, is, is that children are a gift of God. A gift of God. Psalm 127 says, Blessed are those who have a, a quiver full of them. It sometimes doesn't feel like that. I, my wife and I have had five children, and some of that time I served in a ghetto parish, and we lived be, below the poverty line. But I'm thankful that our children grew up in those early years knowing just a little bit about deprivation. Sometimes parents seem to want to give their children everything that they had to protect them from everything they had to struggle with and they give them nothing with which to hold on to when the going of life gets tough. But the first thing for a parent to realize about a child is, is a child is a gift from God. It is important to remember that not everyone who can make a baby can make a parent. Not every couple that can have a child can make a family. A family is created, created writes Lewis Meads, when a, when a commitment is made, not when a baby is born. These youth are making a commitment to God today. He's already made a commitment to them. He has sealed his commitment when he stretched out his arms upon the hard wood of the cross that they might come within the reach of his saving embrace. He's made the first commitment. Now they're asked to make a commitment. When is the family made? The family is made when a mother or father makes a commitment to the child. That's when the family is made, not when the baby's born. And do you realize what what an awesome thing that commitment is. I mean, think about it for a moment. Your son or daughter didn't get a chance to choose you as his or her parent. He may have chosen another one. He may have said, you know, I want a smarter group. I want, is there a couple that has a bit more intelligence than this too? How about a couple that has a bit more money than these two I, that would bring me up to the custom to which I will become so quickly adapted? You know, think about the power you have over your children. You give them a name. You decide where they're going to grow up, where they're going to go to school. I mean, the whole thing, it, to begin with, is dependent upon you. And so that commitment has to be sealed with a promise that you would seek that child's good, not your own ease. To make this commitment demands us to stick with them even when they choose different values, when they take up strange gods, drive themselves to despair, drink themselves into stupors, divorce their wives and husbands. That's not easy to somehow love them and not approve of everything they do. 
when they go across the boundaries to enforce those boundaries and at the same time to do that with love. That is a demanding, painful thing. But our Lord has modeled that so clearly for us. The second thing we need to know about Christian parenting is that we are called by God to provide a place of refuge. Proverbs 14, 26 says, A man who fears the Lord has strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. That refuge is for their body with food, warmth, and medical care, and it is for their heart so that they might have comforting words that sink into the soul. I remember uh, since my wife nursed all five of our children, she had been nursing one of our children, I forget which one, it was early on, so it was either the first or second child, and and she said, okay, she awakened me, says, your turn. <laughs> I thought, well, I thought that's why I was all for this nursing thing, because so, I couldn't do anything to help. She says, this one needs some rocking. So I picked him or her up, and I got in the rocking chair. And then as I'm rocking, it's about 2 o'clock at night. I began to sing a song. I made up a song and sang the song over the child. And I thought, you know, every child should have a song sung over them that is their song, that goes into their heart and soul. If you're a parent, your child needs a song sung over him or her. Some years ago, Julie Andrew was in a one-act play on Broadway. It was a one-act play in which she was the only one on stage. There were two other characters on stage, but you never saw them. And they never spoke anything audibly. You could just tell they were there because Julie Andrew was interacting with them. One was her sister, and one was her dying father. And she's talking back and forth to both of them, although the dying father can't hear anything because he's on death's door. And then it's clear that he dies. And Julie Andrew, playing this role, turns to her sister, whom you can't see but you know is there, and she says, do you think it's okay if I give father a kiss now? He never kissed me when he was alive. Every child needs a song sung over him or her. Every child needs a hug, a kiss. And as I look back on, on, the, on my parental home where my father, well, he never had the benefit of his father because his father died when when my father was two years old, he was struck by lightning driving the tractor into the barn in Arkansas. So my dad was raised without a father and my mother's mother died giving birth to my mother so, so she never had a mother. And, and when I look back and, and if I, I 
realize that sometime or another they didn't quite measure up to everything that I think they ought to do. They, they did a far better job than I've done in some ways. And they didn't have a father and didn't have a mother. Every child needs a song sung over them. Love, discipline. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, says St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. God's ways, God's truth. You know, the, the ancient Hebrews didn't have Sunday school. And the Christians didn't have Sunday school for the first 1900 years of Christianity. Do you know how the faith was passed along? It was passed along in the home. It was passed along with parents nurturing their children. It's a wonderful thing that we have Sunday schools that emerged in the 19th century, but before Sunday schools emerged, there was only one group that passed along the faith. Mothers and fathers. It was in the home, in that environment. And so we are to, to nurture them. That is the incubator of the gospel. If the faith is not being passed on from one generation to another, where does it lie? Not in the church, it's in the home. And then the Bible says we are to bless them in their dreaming and in their leaving. Not our dreams for our children, but their dreams. The dreams God has put into their heart. I don't know if my parents ever blessed my dreams, but they sure, certainly didn't squash them. I mean, my first dream of what I would do uh, when I grew up was to be a farmer. And I had a, far a garden in the backyard, grew uh, uh, corn and, and peas and uh, beets and all kinds of things. And I was planning to be a, a farmer, and my parents didn't say, oh, Mark, you can't be a farmer, you don't have any land. And then the next thing, I wanted to be a pitcher for the New York Yankees. I'd spend hours in the backyard throwing a ball against a brick wall with the, with the pitching, uh, you know, the batter's uh, 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 strike zone right there. They didn't say, Mark, have you ever looked at your height? You know, most of those professional pitchers in the, in the major leagues are six feet or higher. And then I wanted to be a poet. And then who knows what. Never wanted to be a bishop, but here I am. <laughs> but they gave me permission to pursue my dreams. Not laid their dreams upon me for what I ought to be. Oh, I know sometimes we have to nudge a child towards freedom, such as when you take your child to kindergarten for the first time and, and, and go on in, Sam. And, and then sometimes later in life when, uh, when the, uh, your 32-year-old son is still living at home, say, you know, John, it's time to get a job. <laughs> sometimes we have to nudge them out. Now, I look out on this congregation and I realize that some of you your children are already grown, and, and the stage of life that you're in now is that you're, you're taking care of your adult parents. And that's not an easy thing. And now suddenly everything's reversed. And the first thing you have to realize is that parents are a gift from God. They may not have been perfect, 
but to your parents. Honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say when they've done a good job, when they've been great. He says, honor your father and your mother. And what does it mean to, to honor your father and mother? One thing it might mean is for, forgive them for being less than perfect. Forgive them for having crushed your dreams or failed to hug you or, or bound you with their vision. Secondly, seek God's forgiveness for your failures. And forgive yourself and, and set yourself free from their expectations. You know, as a parish priest, one of the things I discovered over the years is that some people have never allowed their parents to be people. They always have put dad in the role of dad and mom in the role of mom. I'll never forget the day I was looking out the window at my mother talking to someone and I realized she's more than just my mother. She's a human being who has dreams, disappointments, and hurts, and challenges. I shouldn't always keep her in the role of mother. Shouldn't always keep dad in the role of father. Sometimes people would come to me as a parish priest and they would say, I just can't get over this where my mother did this or my father did that. And they, and, and they let me down. I said, when are you going to allow them to be who they are and not expect them to be somebody else? If you always are expecting them to be somebody else, you're always going to be disappointed. You need to forgive them for who they are just as they've had to forgive you for who you are. The, the fact of the matter is no, none of us become a parents when we have all our life together. Most of us have become parents when we are still trying to figure out our own way in life. And most of us, well, I, we did the best thing, the best we could. But we have faltered and failed. And your parents, even if you're 80 years old, they sometimes faltered and failed. And so one of the things we're called to do is to realize that they are a gift from God, whether they did a great job or a not-so-great job. And the second thing we're called to do is give them a place of refuge, physically, emotionally. When commitments conflict with one another, I suppose we sometimes, we don't want to lose our marriage over the fact that we need to give our parents a, a place of refuge. But we just don't toss them out. Let them survive somehow or another for themselves. We're called to, to nurture them and care for them in their dying years. And we're called to disciple and instruct them in the Lord. You know, I was raised in, in the Methodist church. My mother took me. My dad never went. I drifted away from God when I was the age of these young people right here. But as God, by God's grace, I came back to him when I was in college at the age of 21. I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at, at that time, I began to pray for my father. I remember coming home from college during a, a, a break and, and laying a testimony on my dad, laid it on him in such a way that he became very antagonistic and, and we had a huge argument to which I then realized 
I guess I'm going to have to just keep my mouth shut about this God thing. And I kept my mouth shut for over 30, 40 years. And then my father came down with brain cancer. And I had an opportunity to share the faith with him. It was in the hospital room a week before he died. I said, Dad, I hear that you've come to believe in God. He said, I didn't believe in God when you and your family moved back to Bakersfield after all those years away. But in watching you and your family and how you relate to one another, I've come to believe in God. I said, Dad, uh, would you like to be baptized? He said, I would. He said, I said, do you want to be baptized here in this hospital or do you want to wait till you get home? He said, here would be fine. He, I said, would you like to do it today or another day? He said, today would be okay. He was a man of few words, you see. I said, how about one o'clock? He said, that'd be great. Just then, my mother and sister and nephew Jason came in. And the conversation changed. And then after a small talk was going on, I said, well, I better get to the church office. I have a baptism this afternoon. They said, anybody we know? <laughs> I said, he's right here in this bed. My mother, Miss Methodist, she just began to weep. She'd been praying for him for 50-some years. One o'clock, the family gathers. I take the water and pour it over him. Leo, Douglas, Lawrence, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I take the oil on my thumb and I make the sign of the cross, the same sign of the cross we will make on these children, youth, young men and women here today. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. We began to sing that spiritual, one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. My father closed his eyes. I think he thought he was going to fly over right then. It, it was going to be a week later. We're called to disciple and nurture, even as adults, our parents, in the faith, and finally we're, we're called to let them go into the hands of Almighty God. And if we, by God's grace, are there with them when they die, it will be a great blessing. It's not easy, this whole thing of parenthood and childhood we all fail. We all struggle. We are all in need of some kind of forgiveness. And we are all in need of forgiving one another. And how do you do that? You do it by realizing that the Lord of all the universe, who at the core of his being is a father, so loved each of us that he gave his only son 
that who would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And this Jesus whom he sent said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I call them by name and they follow me and I give them eternal life. They shall not perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. If there is a parent here today that is in need of forgiveness, there is a Savior here who is good at forgiving. And if there is a child here, even if you're 60 or 70 years old, who somehow or another feels like you perhaps have let down your parent or they've let down you, then it's time for you to practice just a little bit of forgiveness, perhaps for yourself and for them. I will sin, said God, before the great and terrible day of judgment comes. My prophet who will speak my word to turn the hearts of children to their parents and the hearts of parents to their children. Because unless that happens, the land is cursed. So come, Lord, and turn our hearts where they need to be. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for this day that our culture has set aside to call, uh, to rejoice and celebrate mothers and motherhood. We thank you for that gift, and we thank you also for the gift of fatherhood. But we pray, Lord, that in these relationships, it is sometimes a complex uh, uh, interaction of dynamics that we are often in great need of your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness. So send your Holy Spirit to us today that we may, we may rightly understand these matters and rightly live in these complexities of relationships with the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. For we ask it, Father, in his holy and wonderful name. Amen.